0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the grand finale, episode 5 of the Incongruent series, an exhilarating expedition through the corridors of academia, personal discovery, and the pursuit of intellectual fulfillment. In this climactic episode, we embark on the crucial phase of my doctoral journey, the meticulous evaluation of potential supervisors, as we explore the landscapes of four distinguished institutions, Glasgow, Exeter, Westminster, and Portsmouth. We delve into the intricacies of aligning research interests, the promise of mental and the potential for groundbreaking contributions to academia. As we reach the culmination of Perry's challenge, I share the clarity gained through this transformative journey. With three options on the horizon, two in London and one in Glasgow, the next steps involve reaching out and negotiating armed with newfound purpose. This episode marks the end of the incongruent series, but the beginning of a new chapter in the pursuit of knowledge and personal growth. Join us as we bid farewell to this series with insights, revelations, and a sense of purpose that transcends academia. Let the finale commence. Episode 5 Part 26 – A Critical, if kindly, Review of Expert Assessors In the pursuit of my doctoral journey, the next critical step involves the evaluation of potential supervisors. This evaluation encompasses considerations such as the number of available options, the overall quality of support provided, and the alignment of research interests with my own. My current focus narrows down to four universities – Glasgow, Exeter, Westminster, and Portsmouth. While this initial selection serves as a guiding compass, it doesn't preclude me from expanding my search in the future. The path I'm currently traversing has naturally led me towards these specific directions. As I delve deeper into this exploration, the goal is to identify supervisors who not only possess the expertise and experience but also resonate with the essence of my research pursuits. Part 27 – University of Glasgow in my quest for potential supervisors, the Center for Cultural Policy Research at the University of Glasgow emerges as a promising option, boasting a highly experienced team of postgraduate supervisors. Notably, this center has secured funding from key stakeholders such as the Economic and Social Research Council and the Arts and Humanities Research Council. Additionally, it boasts affiliations with CREATE, the UK Research Council's Centre for Copyright and New Business Models in the Creative Economy. The department's research pursuits span eight areas, and furthermore, completing a PhD here extends the privilege of membership in the Scottish Graduate School for Arts and Humanities, a collaborative initiative encompassing 16 Scottish universities, four art schools and the National Conservatoire, with support from various sectors. Utilising the supervisor search function, employing terms such as communication, or media sourced from the the World University Rankings, yields a considerable pool of nearly 500 academics. By narrowing the focus to the School of Culture and Creative Arts, this number can be refined to 10. However, the objective isn't to find an exact match in interest related to industry-organized competitions, as that would counteract the uniqueness of this research endeavor. Consequently, a comprehensive review of the published research profiles of faculty members narrows down the selection to four distinguished scholars. Part 28. University of Exeter the Department of Communications, Drama and Film at the University of Exeter offers a compelling option for a PhD in Media and Communications. This department boasts support from experts spanning over 30 different fields, with particular relevance found in the broad themes of advertising and branding and media and creative industries. These thematic areas align well with the scope of my research project. Examining the Streetham campus, where the PhD would be situated, reveals nine faculty members listed on the department's website. Streatham campus faculty. Unfortunately, upon closer inspection, none of these faculty members share a direct alignment with my specific research interests. This realization prompts further consideration and exploration of other potential supervisors who may better complement the unique focus of my research project. Part 29. University of Westminster the PhD in Media and Communications at the University of Westminster, organized under its Communication and Media Research Institute, Camry within the School of Media and Communication, presents a noteworthy option. With a staff of 25 supervising professionals, Camry is dedicated to exploring the political, economic, social and cultural significance of the media across the globe. Enrolling in this program grants access to the Westminster Papers in Communication and Culture, WPCC, an interdisciplinary peer-reviewed journal published by the Center. Cambria is also a consortium member of the AHRC-funded Tech Doctoral Training Partnership potentially offering funding support for specific doctorate cases. Within CAMRI's team, three members stand out, though only one appears to have completed their own PhD, making them a potential candidate to supervise my research. Further exploration of this individual's expertise and research alignment will be essential to determine the suitability of their supervision for my specific research project. Part 30, University of Portsmouth. Enrolling in a PhD program in marketing at the University of Portsmouth involves delving into areas such as advertising, branding, digital marketing, tourism marketing, marketing and society, and related disciplines such as computing, economics, psychology and statistics. The institute displays a notable interest in practical aspects of digital marketing and big data analytics, reflecting a focus on contemporary issues likely to retain their value in the future researchers within this school explore various areas, including supporting entrepreneurs and small businesses, improving sustainability across industries, and implementing new products and services, all of which align with my interests. Exploring the University of Portsmouth's PhD by publication page reveals valuable insights into the program structure and expectations. While there are numerous faculty members within this school and adjacent research centers, one individual stands out as particularly relevant to my research interests. Further examination of this faculty member's expertise and alignment with my project will be crucial in determining the suitability of their supervision. In narrowing down my options, I've identified three potential campuses – Glasgow, Westminster, and Portsmouth. During this process, I've gained insights into the potential reasons behind the University of Glasgow's higher admission charge compared to other institutes. It appears that the fee structure goes beyond acquiring a piece of cultural capital. The professors at Glasgow are actively promoting their connections with government and industry creating anticipation for valuable future engagements that could arise from collaborating with them. This adds an interesting dimension to the considerations in selecting a suitable institution for my doctoral journey. Part 31. Generating Spin-Off Studies In the next phase of my exploration, I delve into the penultimate question presented by Perry which revolves around the research value of the knowledge generated. This question prompts consideration of whether the study will not only sustain the interest of the author but also serve as inspiration for others to produce additional work. I interpret this as a mechanism to stimulate employment within higher education institutions, where a PhD can offer a program of research that captures the attention of external backers and sponsors. Upon reflection, I find several ways to address this question, however I emphasize the significance of peer-reviewed journals as the primary currency in academia. The focus remains on the depth and quality of the research, understanding that its impact can extend to various avenues based on the prestige and influence of the selected journals. Part 32. The researcher continuing to dig deeper within their own practice. In this phase of my exploration, it's crucial to emphasize that I've already self-published 16 blog posts, a collection featured in my LinkedIn newsletter The Spill with over 400 subscribers. Additionally, four episodes of The Incongruent Podcast have surpassed 4,000 total downloads. Having participated in three academic conferences, I've been invited to deliver a keynote on the topic in 2024. The ease with which I have accumulated this wealth of valuable content indicates a viable and in-demand research agenda. However, within my chosen doctoral pathway, I must demonstrate its value assessed by our academic peers. I aim for a target of 70,000 words in high-tier journals and have undertaken an objective PR approach to publishing, considering both the impact of the journal and identifying accessible stakeholders who may provide advice for successful publication. A strategic blend of education and marketing journals my list positions me to build a robust portfolio of evidence, expecting 10 minutes 15 articles in total, with limited financial expenses and a strong foundation for impactful research dissemination. Part 33. Show me the money. In contemplating the final question presented by Perry, the focus shifts toward ensuring that the chosen research subject offers ample opportunities for future employability, both within and beyond academia. The essence of meaningful employment, as envisioned here, extends to opportunities that yield a swift return on investment for the qualification obtained. Acknowledging the evolving landscape of work towards more gig-based structures, Perry's spirit suggests that the study period should enhance employability holistically, transcending the traditional path of transitioning solely into higher education lecturing. This segment of the narrative initiates by scrutinizing the impact of a career in academia on personal wealth. Subsequently, it delves into the realm of imagination, exploring alternative potential revenue streams. Part 34 – Continuing in Academia In the United Kingdom, the remuneration for lecturers is subject to negotiations by trade unions and is defined within the higher education single-pay spine. For new academics entering the field, an initial position at spine point three corresponds to a yearly salary of £20,410 sterling. As one progresses within the system, reaching spine 23 indicates a salary exceeding £30,000 sterling, spine 33 corresponds to £40,000 sterling, and spine 42 signifies a salary of £50,000 sterling. The highest attainable salary within this structure is £68,500 sterling at spine 51. While certain positions may command higher salaries, such cases are considered exceptional circumstances. To simplify the complexity of this structure, a helpful graphic, along with a table from the University of Glasgow, suggests that attaining the rank of senior lecturer with a PhD would likely position an individual in the grade 9 category, encompassing spine points 45 49. This translates to a reasonable salary expectation ranging between £54,000 sterling and £58,000 sterling annually. Now, this financial assessment is influenced by national insurance and income tax. According to the HMRC Income Tax Calculator, for a position at the University of Glasgow with an annual income of £55,000 sterling or approximately £275,000 the take-home pay would be around £39,000 sterling or approximately £200,000 Scotland imposes higher income tax rates, and the same salary in England would result in savings of almost £2,000 sterling. Working in London, however, introduces the concept of London Waiting, a complex negotiation between pre-92 and post-92 institutes. The UCU provides a somewhat outdated guide, suggesting salary increments ranging from £2,725 sterling for inner city campuses, Zone 1-2 to £704 sterling for fringe areas, Zone 4-5. Assuming the best-case scenario of inner-city waiting, after tax, this contributes an additional £693 sterling to the annual income. Now, factoring in rent and other expenses, rent can vary from approximately £1,200 sterling per month or £14,000 sterling per year for a one-bed residence outside London, e.g. Glasgow, to an optimistic £2,300 sterling per month or £28,000 sterling per year for a one-bed inside London. This leaves disposable income of £14,000 sterling London and £20,000 sterling Glasgow. When considering other expenses like transportation, car rental in Glasgow is estimated at £8,000 sterling per year plus an additional £1,500 sterling for fuel, reducing disposable income to £10,500 sterling per annum or £4,400 durham per month. Inside London, a Zones 1-5-2 pass costs approximately £2,800 sterling. Basic expenses within the capital mean that only £10,000 sterling approximately 4,000 yuan per month remains for other essentials like food, clothing or electricity. Other necessary expenses include electricity at an estimated £800 sterling per year for an average one-bed flat, food at £3,300 sterling per year, £480 sterling per year for home internet and mobile phone bills, and £159 sterling per year for a television license. In total, these necessities amount to £4,800 sterling per year. Summing up, this calculation estimates a net contribution to savings between £7,000 sterling and £10,000 sterling per annum or the equivalent of 3,000 UE-Durham, 4,000 per month. Based on my previous writings and living frugally, an international student pursuing a PhD by thesis from the University of Westminster could expect the qualification to pay for itself within one year or even faster if they work outside the capital after graduation. On the other hand, the University of Glasgow's offering, as far as I can determine, would require at least seven years of careful financial management. Part 35. Additional and Alternative Income Streams Continuing this assessment purely as an academic exercise, I will persist with the evaluation based on London and non-London. It is important to note that this assumes, post-graduation, the hypothetical scenario where I would be fortunate enough to be accepted onto the staff at the institute where the PhD is awarded. Part 36. London, Westminster the University of Westminster's Communication and Media Research Institute Camry is situated in Harrow. According to a classifieds website, there are approximately 265 small and medium enterprises in the area, including the market research giant IPSOS. The Harrow Economic Strategy outlines that the majority of the 15,000 registered companies in Harrow are micro-businesses, with only around 100 deemed viable for potential consulting projects. The primary stakeholder in this context is the council itself, and there are three areas where I could contribute significant value, both stemming from the PhD study area and my broader research activities. A position within the Council, either as an elected official or a co-opted member, could yield an additional £9,063 sterling or £481 sterling toward my savings. The Council explicitly aims to enhance employability, aligning closely with my research into competitions, especially their connection to vocational education. Additionally, the strategy outlines objectives to improve the value of the green economy and enhance digital literacy among residents. Camry's focus on artificial intelligence, a topic in which I've already achieved some early success with a joint study published in Frontiers in Education, aligns well with these objectives. In summary, upon initial review, aside from the potential for a political position on the council, Harrow may not be the most attractive location for side hustles. However, the University of Westminster has three other campuses central london which could prove useful assuming i have the ability to access them during non-teaching hours without overstating the point there are reasons why people still perceive the streets of the capital as paved with gold part 37 scotland glasgow when it comes to glasgow i honestly do not know where to begin I've visited once, about a hundred years ago, but apart from my faint knowledge of Scottish football and the rivalry of Rangers and Celtic, I'm not a Scooby-Doo. In contrast to the Harrow strategy, Glasgow's economic plan is well. They have identified eight high-growth areas to tackle and a vision for a climate-friendly future supporting technological innovations and the work of civil society organizations. There is an ambition to support social entrepreneurship and women-led businesses and a number of specialist business parks designed to attract inward investment. One of these is a creative media hub from the TV network Channel 4. This document paints a picture of Glasgow as a Scottish version of Dubai, and with 20 years' experience of hustling in this environment, I know how to make this work. Part 38 Conclusion I've finished Perry's challenge, and as a result of this journey, I have gained huge clarity both in terms of what this PhD thing is all about, why anyone should seek one, and what the benefits and costs are. This is a significant investment of time and money, and the checklist offered by Perry is a fantastic guide that will hopefully ensure that I make the correct decision. I have three options ahead, two in London and one in Glasgow. My next steps are to reach out and begin negotiating armed with clarity of purpose. End of episode. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining me on this intellectual odyssey through the intricacies of academia, the pursuit of a PhD, and the exploration of personal and professional growth. As we conclude this final chapter of the Incongruent series, I invite you to reflect on the wealth of insights and revelations we've uncovered together. Your engagement and curiosity have been the fuel propelling this journey, and I'm truly grateful for your company but as one chapter closes, another awaits. The quest for knowledge never truly ends, and I'm thrilled to announce that our podcast is a treasure trove of diverse content awaiting your exploration. Whether you're interested in industry-organized competitions, the dynamics of academia, or the intersection of education and marketing, our podcast has a library of episodes that cater to your intellectual appetite. Visit our archives to discover more thought-provoking discussions, expert interviews, and personal reflections. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode, and if this series has resonated with you, leave a comment or share your thoughts. Your feedback is invaluable and contributes to the vibrant community we're building. This is not just the end of a series, it's a new beginning. Stay curious, stay inspired, and stay tuned for more exciting content on the Incongruent. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep challenging the status quo. Thank you for being part of the Incongruent family. Until we meet again, happy listening.